Welcome into SA Talk. I'm your host, Zach Espericueta, your favorite local financial advisor and insurance agent. A couple of show notes before we get started on today's episode. Um, As always, I hope you're enjoying the show. Um, I just want to let you, the listeners, know if you ever have ideas of ways I can kind of spruce up and energize the show, maybe some additions that we can make, um, let me know. Whether it's DMing me if you follow the podcast on social media, maybe you follow me individually on social media, uh, maybe you just want to tweet or mention the podcast in a post on social media. But if you ever have ideas, let me know. Um, whether it's maybe it's for a co-host, maybe you have someone in mind that would be an excellent co-host on SA Talk or some of the other podcast series that I've put out on the San Antonio Podcast Network. Maybe you have some ideas for episodes or guests that I can bring onto the podcast and interview or have a discussion with. Those are always great suggestions I'm looking for. I'm also looking for someone, maybe they don't want to be a co-host, but maybe they just want to help the podcast grow for marketing, social media, getting the word out there. I'd be happy to entertain any ideas on that front. Um, something else I've been wanting to do, maybe not on SA Talk, but just in general with the San Antonio Podcast Network, is incorporate more of my work and what I do in my daily life. You know, maybe it's just a segment on SA Talk. Maybe it's in, you know, in the past I've had an advertisement, but I'm thinking more along the lines of a series of shows. Um, if it's not going to be just a small segment. Um, but either way, whether it's a segment or a series of shows, is maybe having like a Q&A section where listeners can submit their questions that have to do with retirement plans or life insurance or Medicare for themselves, if they're a Medicare recipient and they're older, or maybe their parents or their grandparents. Um, maybe it's something as simple as, hey, like, how do I deal with these freaking robocalls that I keep getting or my grandma keeps getting, uh, things like that. I'm also thinking about possibly bringing on guests that are in the same industry as me here in San Antonio, because of course, we want to keep it all San Antonio-based, San Antonio-focused. At the very least, like I said, I want to share more of what I have going on personally, but of course, that kind of correlates with the business. Um, And so since I want to talk about that, something I've been wanting to share is that um, I've seen a lot of growth on the business front, uh, personally. You know, this is the first fall that I've been scheduling campuses on my own. So if you don't know, I help a lot of teachers, a lot of educators with 403B retirement accounts. I mean, I help people with retirement accounts in general. If we're talking about IRAs, Roth IRAs, uh, maybe someone's leaving their place of employment and they need a place to roll over their old 401k. Uh, But I focus a lot on teachers because I come from a family of educators. You've probably heard me saying that if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. My mom worked in education. She still does. She's still doing, even though she's taking TRS, she's still uh, working as a tutor now for Club Z, I think it's called. She's done substitute teaching in the past. She's taught special education in Northside for many years. She taught even at the prison uh, at Dominguez, uh, the state prison over on 1604 and 90, I think it is. She taught um, GED courses there. My dad worked in education. He was a, at some point, I think a substitute when he first started. And then he was a teacher and an administrator, a um, coordinator for Northside. Now he's working up in San Marcos Consolidated, uh, ISD working there at the central office. Uh, Three of my grandparents worked in education, including one of my grandmas was a school nurse. My brother, shout out to my brother. He actually is starting his teaching journey this fall over in Northeast 
ISD. Um, as a math teacher, I think seventh grade is what he's teaching. So anyways, I say all that, but that's why I focus a lot on teachers helping them with their 403B questions or TRS questions. And so I go out to campuses every fall and sometimes in the spring as well. And I give a 15 minute presentation on campus to the staff. Usually it's during a staff meeting or an in-service, possibly in the morning. I always feed the staff. I'll bring breakfast tacos or pastries, refreshments, waters, things of that sort. I'll talk about how TRS works the income gap that they're going to see along with their spouses usually and how we can kind of close that gap. So again, I say all that, but this year was the first year that I've actually scheduled those presentations on my own. In the past, I've had a mentor. I've had someone help me schedule those presentations because they had the connections, but I reached into my connections and maybe principles I've come across in the past and also through the podcast. And I scheduled those on my own. I literally door knocked Um, I know that's just kind of a metaphor or a simple way to phrase it, but I went by different schools asking them, hey, can I present this fall? That's something I've never done before. I've also focused my time on growing my client base on the Medicare side. I've kind of ignored that in the past and just done the retirement and the life insurance side, but I focused a lot on the Medicare side since last fall. And I've been trying to get myself out of the comfort zone. I mean, that's something I've focused on since the beginning, since I became self-employed, I think you have to get out of your comfort zone uh, after working in the in the corporate world for, for a while. Um, but that's something I've been doing. Like I said, going to different campuses, walking in the door. I mean, you have to face rejection. You're going to have principals that say, nah, we already have someone or no, we're not too comfortable, right? Same thing with the Medicare. I've did seminars recently. If you follow me on social media, you saw that. That's something I'd never done before, giving a Medicare 101 seminar. But you have to get yourself out of that comfort zone. That's something I realized and that's something I've been doing. There's still some things I, I want to get done though with uh, on the personal business front. I mean, I, I always trying to grow my social media. Um, I should probably get with Christina <laughs> on that SPG, of course. Um, but that's something that takes time. It takes money. It takes effort. As much as I want to do that, I also have to realize and recognize my priority list, right? You know, I have to make sure I'm bringing enough income in to make a living for myself before I think on things like that, right? But it is something I want to do. Something else I want to do is give back to the community. It's something that we've done in the past with the podcast, but it's something I want to continue on even with my my business. Um, and there's multiple different ways you can do that. I was actually having a great conversation with a past guest of the podcast, Katie White from Family Service, also NLC alum from here in San Antonio. I, I mentioned that I'm looking for ways that I can help the community, but of course also help my business grow because you can do both simultaneously. You know, she was coming up with excellent ideas and suggestions for me to do that. And something I kind of realized is that even when you're early on in your business journey, if you're starting your own business and maybe you don't have enough capital or enough cash flow coming in, maybe you're not a big company that can donate a lot of money to organizations, but instead you can donate your time, you can donate your efforts, right? Things like that. And that's something I can do to give back at this point in my business journey. And then later on, hopefully there's enough cash flow where I can start donating money as well. Anyways, that all said, this week, on SA Talk, I have a great guest joining the show, Hector Cano. He is the director of soccer and head women's soccer coach for St. Mary's Hall here in town. He's also the director of soccer for College Promoters USA. Not to mention, he's a combat veteran and local podcast host, which we'll touch on quite a bit during my discussion with him on this episode. So with that said, let's get right into the interview. So here it is. 
Well, Hector, let's get it started. I, I appreciate you joining me on SA Talk today. I'm really excited to have you on, um, especially because you're a fellow podcaster. But um, I mean, yes, it seems sir. like you got a lot on your plate. <laughs> you're, you're still, I mean, according to Twitter, director of soccer for not only college promoters, but also uh, St. Mary's Hall, women's soccer coach, educator, um, not to mention, of course, military combat vet. So thank you for your service. Um, But yeah, founder and host of the 5050 podcast. So uh, welcome to the pod. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All of that just to say that I just, I think I have a lot of, uh, a lot of small jobs. That's all that means, right? Just nothing, (laughs) nothing, nothing too fancy, nothing too crazy. doesn't make me sound uh, overly important, but uh, thanks. Pleasure to be here with you and uh, excited to be here and let's uh, have some fun. Of course. So I have to ask, what got you into podcasting? I know when we first met, uh, over at Merit Coffee, you know, you kind of gave me a little bit of a backstory, but let the listeners know, like, how did you get into podcasting? Kind of, you know, it, it's funny because it was kind of a, I always tell the story. It's kind of, a, it, it, it's kind of by accident, really, like, like a lot of things that have come that have happened in my life that lead to a lot of great things. It's just happenstance, opportunity, uh, thinking about it for a long time. I'm one, I'm kind of a planner. I'm a researcher. Uh, before I, uh, but all that said, I still like to ultimately, I like to dive in and, and, and do things right. Rather than kind of sit on the sidelines and watch. So, uh, what happened was really over the course of, I would say from 20, 2018 to, but in about a year and a half's time, uh, from 2018 to right or close to when the pandemic started, uh, I went on probably five or six different podcasts and uh, the uh, it just you know I had a great experience, great great podcast, great hosts, uh, really good uh, really good experience. And I would always come back to I would get the same question repeatedly of it's like hey this is you know this is great information you're a great great resource you give good info have you ever thought about based upon all the things that you're involved in and what you do and your your background had you ever thought about doing a podcast and. My answer to them was really no, <laughs> you know, I hadn't, hadn't really thought about it, but it, uh, it continued to come up. It would come up regularly. And like I said, I just, over time, I just, I would think about it a little bit, but then, you know, like everything, it's like, how am I going to do it? What would it look like? What would it entail? Cause I know one of the very first thing I was the opposite of what most people think when they think of podcasts is they they think oh yeah how hard can it be right how time consuming can it really be right uh how labor intensive uh can it be especially when you're playing you know you're playing host co-host you're possibly playing producer you might be playing marketer you could be wearing all these different hats editor right could be wearing all these different hats so as luck would have it in uh once we were in the pandemic and in around, I want to say September, 2020, I went on another podcast and that question came up again. So you fast forward now, here we are about six, seven months into the pandemic at this point. And, you know, the question came up again. And because like all of us during the pandemic, we spent obviously a lot of time at home, right? A lot of time laying around, a lot of, a lot of, kind of more extra time with our family. So, and I'm one of those that has to stay busy, right? So I finally really thought about it, talked, talked it over with my wife and she kind of knew I always had aspirations for it to a certain extent. And, uh, December of, uh, 2015, we, uh, December, December 15th, I should say of 2020, we launched our uh, very first episode. 
Nice. Nice. Now, tell the listeners, you know, what what is the topic? I know when we, when we look at the 5050 podcast on social media, you know, it says covering high school, club, college ball, soccer, of course. Um, but it also mentions that it's a college recruiting platform. So kind of get into that. Maybe what went into the name? Why 5050? Um, I know when I first came across it, I think when you when you first followed and I first followed back, I kind of thought, oh, OK, this soccer podcast, you know, but I think it goes a little deeper than that. Yeah. So the, the college recruiting piece uh, and where that kind of stems from, that stems from a, another big passion of mine where going back to uh, back when I was also active duty. And so I was the I was the uh, chief military training instructor at the Air Force Academy and also the uh, women's soccer coach there. I started did uh, one year at the prep school and then ended up uh, got promoted up to uh, up at the hill with the uh, with the D ones the D one women's soccer program where I started there as the as a really I was essentially a director of soccer operations initially then transitioned over as an assistant and as a recruiting coordinator and that recruiting coordinator piece I was already doing while I was at the prep school so um, it was a big passion of mine of being able to find. Uh, place place student athletes athletes student athletes that want to play at the next level uh, and I just especially like first generation you know first generation uh, student athletes that are they're they're the first ones to attend attend college uh, and in this case at the Air Force Academy it's one of those things I was told a long time ago that hey if you can recruit here i.e. I. a service academy right whether it's Air Force West Point Annapolis if you can recruit here you can recruit anywhere because we have we have uh, a very stringent process and even more so than, uh, than than your Ivy League schools because with that comes a, a level a congressional nomination attached to that right so um, so during that time I really it, I really just developed a passion for it and being able to also what helped me was being able to identify talent and um, so you fast forward uh, through the years when I was previously here in San Antonio and I was coaching at St. Mary's Hall, that's where I really kind of took on a role of starting to work as an independent college recruiting consultant. When, when we left in 2019, uh, we left San Antonio to go to El Paso. I really took that kind of took that next big step as an independent college recruiting consultant, worked with uh, the high school that I was coaching at and where I was teaching at in El Paso. We had seven, seven of my players, seven of our girls, in two years time received 42 uh 42 college offers and at isleta high school that does not happen right that was not they're not synonymous they're not known with uh with college offers and having multiple multiple student athletes receive college offers for women's soccer so you know i did that was able to work with a great friend there in uh, jesse tovar from prep one and then uh when we moved back here in san uh, san antonio uh, obviously, I got the ball rolling already with the podcast, and I wanted to make the podcast from a college recruiting platform standpoint. I wanted to make just a, another launching pad, another resource where parents could go. Obviously, student athletes, but also parents, because parents, you know, if because if for example, you Zach, if you have, you know, let's say your daughter or son all of a sudden comes to you one day, they're getting ready to enter high school, and they say dad, I want to play college soccer. Uh, and you may not have any uh, background in that sport. Where do you begin? Right. Where do you begin? So that was the genesis of that. And, uh, it kind of lured me into my next position also working with college promoters USA. So then are you sort of also working like as far as the consulting side of that, like working with 
high schools, like local high school, like high schools, high school coaches. Cause I, I thought about the example that you just gave, let's say you, you have a parent out there, mom and dad, and they have a child who is interested in playing soccer at the collegiate level, but maybe, you know, it's someone like myself who I didn't grow up around a lot of soccer. I know a lot about football, right? So I could think of some, some leagues to play in there and, and maybe people to turn to, but like, as far as soccer goes, I wouldn't know what to tell my child, you know? And so I would, I would hope at that point that maybe there's someone at the high school or someone I can reach out to maybe the, the high school coach be like, Hey, who do you know that can help my kid? Because he wants to go play collegiate ball. How can he get there? Right, right. You know, all great points. And kind of to answer your question, the, the simple way is we work. So in my role previously, where I was an independent college recruiting consultant, I was working directly with families and student athletes and club coaches, high school coaches. That's what that that independent piece is. It's very broad, right? Uh, so I, I essentially still do that, but now under the umbrella of College uh, College Promoters USA, which which is you know homegrown, they're based out of out of San Antonio. Here, they're getting ready to just start their twenty sixth year in the business, and uh, they're very different from that. I you know it's it's kind of one of those things where you have a lot of college recruiting firms, college recruiting you know service organizations that. They give a they give a bad name to a lot of the good organizations that do things the right way because they they telemarket you right they just kind of cold call you or or just through emails or or they go straight to the club coaches and they just try to give them the information of hey get this to your parents we can provide this service but but the, the truth of it is is the parents are going to do all the work the student athlete they're doing all the work right and what I liked with um, with College Promoters USA so the tie there was. When I arrived here, they, you know, Greg Smith, our president, Greg Smith, he uh, reached out to me and asked about um, if I about wanting to basically be the title sponsor for the podcast. And him and I hit it off really well. We had a good relationship from the start that and that later turned into a um, an offer, an opportunity to to become the director of soccer there where he wanted to have a special uh, a specialized coach with a background in college recruiting at, uh, within that sport to be able to work with these families, be able to work with these club coaches and high school coaches, but more so directly, first and foremost, with the student athletes and the parents, right? Because um, the coaches have a lot on their plate, I, and I can attest to that also being a high school coach, <laughs> right? But uh, so we kind of wanted to take some of the work uh, we want to take some of the work off their plate, but still have them obviously involved in the process and advocate for their players. So whether it's a high school coach or a club coach, whether it's a club director, uh, but be able to go to us for for the very specific, uh, very specific uh, advice. I'm kind of curious, Hector, since you have a lot of experience as a recruiter and also a coach, uh, it's kind of a twofold question. Uh, the first part of it is that do you feel like those are two completely different skill sets, like coaching the sport, but then recruiting, you know, for, for someone to go to college? And then the second part of that question is, is that why, is that something that kind of holds back maybe high school coaches from advancing to that next level and coaching in college? Because they're like, hey, I'm a decent coach in high school, but I don't know how to recruit. I didn't even know that, you know, what I would do. I'm not a good salesman, blah, blah, blah. Like, is that something that affects them? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. It's kind of a complex, I guess, answer. So let me know. Let me know if I answer answer your question. But it's kind of one of those like where they yes, they are separate. 
but from the standpoint of one can reinforce the other if you really apply yourself, if you really know what you're looking for. So what do I mean by that is in, in most instances in my, it's been my experience that there's been, you can be, you, you can be a good, um, you, you, you have to be able to be a good, I don't know. And that's very, uh, I don't know. I don't know if good is the right word, right? But <laughs> to be able to be, to have the skill set of a coach and be able to have the skill set of a recruiter, uh, to be able to blend those together from the standpoint of talent identification, the experience of what are you looking for, of understanding what college coaches are looking for, right? And understanding understanding the, the complexity of the different levels, right? We talk about NCAA Division One versus Division Two versus Division Three. What does that mean? What is what is a D one player compared to a D three player? Is it just height and weight? Is it you know? Uh, so so it's it's a number of factors. It's also <clears throat> excuse me. It's also being familiar when you're familiar with the college system, the college program, and the conferences is understanding what what conference play is like in maybe the well. We'll just use D one for example, right? Understanding what what the style of play is in maybe the SEC versus, you know, Conference USA, Conference USA versus, you know, the American Athletic Conference, the American Athletic Conference versus versus the Big 12, you know, is because all of those conferences kind of take on a kind of a certain traits, certain personalities, right? And those are just some D1 examples, but you see that across D2, you see that across D3 as well. But the big thing is not is where I spend a lot of my time is is debunking with parents and with student athletes because they're often told this is like, hey, I want to be the best. I want to shoot for the top. Right. So everyone here's D1. So where I spend a lot of my time is debunking the D1 or bust mentality. Right. Is understanding them trying to get parents and particularly student athletes to understand that it's like, hey, we have to work on let's define what the right fit looks for you because it's real easy for me to go to Zach and say, it's like, all right, Zach, let's, you know, forget about D one. Let's find what is the right fit for you in terms of a school and a program that's going to best set up Zach for success. Um, because it's really a, uh, it's really a 40 years. I call it a four, a four years for the next 40 years of your life, right? Four great years that will set you up for the next 40 years of your life. Well, cause, cause you're not going to play forever. Right. But it's about getting that, that getting that education that one day can lead you to your, uh, you know, the greater glory. Now getting back to the podcast, um, it looks like you bring guests onto the show, right? I, I did see recently, I think I read this correctly, but like you had the, uh, women's soccer coach from A&M. Uh, yeah, yeah, join you on the show. So that yeah, I mean, Coach that, G, Coach G. That was that was just yesterday. Actually, had a great. It was a great episode. And that's that's cool to see. You know, I, and I'm sure you can attest to this. I, I kind of feel the same way when I bring folks on like yourself and uh, getting to sit down with CEOs of you know nonprofit organizations. It's kind of like, man, am I really doing this right? And you're like nervous <laughs> but excited at the same time. Yeah, but yeah. then also like a part of you is like, man, I did this right. Like you're proud of yourself. Yeah. Do you yeah. get that feeling like being oh, yeah. a fellow podcaster? <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, you know, yesterday I'm trying to like, you know, it's the first chance. So him and I have been talking for a little while now, but <clears throat> I'm completely aware. Had never met him previously, and completely aware of who he is. And you know, for the audience, he's 
He's he's a legendary coach. He's been at AM. He's getting ready to start his 30th, you know, his 30th season, his 30th year there. And they've been a perennial top 10 powerhouse in the country every year since 95. You know, he got there in 93. So he's built it, it's it's the prestigious program, the most prestigious program in the state of Texas. Uh, so what he's built there has been tremendous. So <laughs> when we were doing that interview, I was completely trying not to be a fanboy about it, you know, just because <laughs> I uh, really, you know, just have a lot of respect for just his program, the school, how they've done things, the type of, not just the type of how they play, but the a lot of the stories that I had heard about student athletes that come out of that program once they leave, right? Uh, so, and, which is a great, which is a big reflection on him and his program, his staff. So, while I was in the middle of uh, of interviewing him, you know, I was just kind of uh, um, trying not to be a complete fanboy about him, be professional, <laughs> you know how it is, be professional <laughs> about it. And uh, now he was great. He was very, very humble, you know, very humble coach, very humble guy, and was couldn't have been more, more welcoming and more accessible. And I, you know, I told him yesterday, I, I really appreciated that. Uh, it was, it was, it's nice to see from coaches that get to that level that they're just that that they can still be that humble now for the listeners who might be interested in in tuning in and over to the 5050 podcast kind of let them know what the format is i know you know when we talk but also listening to the podcast prior like seeing that some of the episodes are a little longer if you're comparing it to like my podcast per se but there's a lot of podcasts out there that are 15 minutes that are an hour and a half there's some podcasts out there that are two hours or more right like it it honestly i i've had aspiring podcasters reach out to me i'm sure you've had the same where like hey what's the right fit and i'm sure like you've probably did that research just like i did you know a couple years ago like oh should i do it at 45 minutes and it's like there's no set number right like it's just it, it's whatever fits the format whatever brings the the listeners and provides the content like it really there's no there's no right or wrong answer um, but let the listeners know, you know, what, what's the format? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, we talked about it when we were at Merit Coffee, uh, not too long ago, but what I quickly learned was, you know, being the, uh, the military man that I am, I was like trying to do my little format and just like, yeah, it's going to be exactly this long. I'm going to ask this many questions. It's going to go for this long and we're done. And, and I do try to be respectful of our guests time, no doubt, obviously, but with that said, I just I learned really quick, really quickly that uh, sometimes some coaches, they just, you know, coaches can be talkers. And when you ask the right questions and when you get them to kind of let their guard down a little, be themselves, show their personality, you can quickly, you know, it's like, oh, man, we've been talking for 45 minutes straight and we're still in the first segment, you know. So um, what I learned really quick was just if they're giving you podcast gold, you just kind of shut up and get out of the way. You know, uh, you just you let them go through that. And it's been great. It's been great. Uh, a lot of the coaches that have come on have been tremendous. But, you know, our format, generally speaking, when we have a when we have a first time guest or we've had recently, we also had a panel. My Our episode before this one with Coach Guerrero from Texas A&M was a a summer league development. And we had, so we had three other coaches from different parts of the state. So that one ran a little longer, but generally speaking, uh, we do it in two, two segments. Our first segment is usually our Q and a, and then our second segment is our, um, kind of our, we do, we do it a little differently where our second segment is our, what what we call our counterattack segment. And that's where we kind of have just random off the wall, 
uh, questions about usually about 10 to 12 questions and some they're soccer and non-soccer related uh, and they can be as random as something like I'll give you an example something I asked coach G yesterday was uh, a strangest thing that's in your refrigerator right now and uh, he his response was dog food <laughs> which was great <laughs> which was great but uh, but yeah I mean we just we have some fun with that we get the again the guests to just kind of let their guard down a little bit have some fun with it more than anything and the other reason why i introduced that was what we found was from our whether it's a high school coach other college coaches listening but particularly parents and student athletes you know P, what we call psas prospective student athletes when they're listening they get to see the coach especially college coach that they could potentially go and play for one day right they get to see the personality of the coach and uh, that makes a big difference so so that's usually our our our, our format typically run about 50 minutes to an hour uh, but yeah i know some podcasts but yeah you're right some podcasts they're like a sprint you know they're over in 15 minutes and then we don't have any joe i don't do the joe rogans that go for three hours but uh, <laughs> there now i will say this i have been on uh, so another fellow podcast here in the city uh the uh, san antonio soccer roundtable we did do this year when the uil state playoffs were getting ready to start we did a and i'm not joking we did a six hour bracketology podcast where i was a guest on their podcast so <laughs> so when i i'm not joking six hours you were like uh you're like what's the guy from espn joe lenardi right he does the bracketology for yeah. for men's basketball yeah. at, the beginning, <laughs> yeah. at the beginning of the tournament yeah exactly. uh, but you know speaking of soccer here in san antonio um and i know you haven't been here forever but in your time here in san antonio I know this is kind of a loaded question, kind of very general. So take it as you will. You can answer it however you want to. But have you seen kind of like the interest increase or maybe decrease in soccer in general, women's soccer, men's soccer, soccer in general, however you want to answer. But have you seen that increase in popularity here in the Alamo City? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I think it's it, it's it, it's also a complicated question from the standpoint of is is it growing has soccer come soccer has come a long way we go back to the 19 the 1994 world cup right which really kind of helped launch the the new interest level that you see in in this country but uh in my time here you know i originally arrived i had been in san antonio i was i was stationed here once this is my third time living in san antonio so i was stationed here once for seven years came back lived here for five years after i retired and then obviously just did the two years in El Paso and before coming back here. And I've been here for the last year. But in that time, I have clearly seen the sport grow. I have seen the interest grow. I've seen the number of club teams grow uh, in the greater San Antonio area, I, I, if you will. You know, you're seeing more, uh, more for a, the smaller programs are starting to have soccer, are starting to carry soccer now. Some of the smaller schools, some of the forays. So... Um, so I, that's one indication, but also, I mean, just the level of more, uh, more student athletes that want to play at the next level. I think you're, you're seeing that. And also another, another, de uh, determining factor or, or more evidence I should say is that, you know, our, I mentioned it earlier, our president at college promoters, USA, Greg Smith, he had the foresight, he had the vision to kind of see that the writing is on the wall in terms of the sport, where it's headed, where it's headed in this country, where it's headed in this state, where it's headed in this region. And as you know, we just had, <clears throat> excuse me, we just had on the public school side, UIL side, we just had in boys soccer, we just had Lee, uh, 
you know, Lee won state title last, last year, you know, Coach Rogers and his boys. And then on the private side, we've had we've had multiple state winners. You know, we had TMI at one point here. I don't know if you know this, but we had so Central Catholic on the private school side and Lee where they were two. We had two of the top five teams in the nation were out of right here in San Antonio. So uh, so you've seen on the private school side, we've had TMI Central Catholic. Uh, we've had uh, was it? Um, shirts, uh, John Paul the second high school. They just won their their second title in three years. You know, at the taps, the taps four A level. So, um, so we're seeing a lot of success here, uh, and so it's growing. But why I say it's also complex though is some of the things that we need to work on as coaches, the the proliferation or the the professionalization of youth sports, uh, which I'm sure I think you have a little idea of what I'm talking about is. Some of that is it's it's kind of going to extremes in terms of travel, in terms of the pressure that we're seeing on the kids, in terms of the amount of playing that the kids are doing. They're doing almost almost year round with no opportunity to play any other sports. And and that is what that's really the only thing that's in the way of um, of the growth of this sport in this area, in this country, really, not just in San Antonio or in Texas. Because you're also seeing a lot of kids that they stop playing by the time they're 13, 12, 13 years old because they're they're either burnt out or it's not fun anymore, you know. So, uh, but yeah, but back to what I was saying in terms of just further evidence is our president at Cause Promoters USA, Greg Smith, he, you know, he had the foresight, he had the vision to see where the sport was headed. And that's where the opportunity, where the offer uh, he made in uh, to bring me in as director of soccer. And, and that's how I knew that College Promoters USA was the right, was the right organization for me because immediately as soon as I was there, and you'll hear this to a T from any of our, any of our, our prospective student athletes and parents is as soon as they walk in, it, it's a family. They do things very differently. They're true. They're you know they're they're true. They're puro, as they say. They're true to the uh, the San Antonio way. They understand the environment, and uh, and I immediately love that. So it's it's been great. Do you almost feel being well? Technically, I I like to consider podcast the entertainment industry in a sense, um, communications, however you want to think of it. But do you almost kind of put that responsibility on your back, like to increase interest? I'm not saying that's the number one priority of this podcast. But like, do you almost kind of in the back of your head think, man, I need to, I need to be out there promoting soccer, increasing popularity, things like that. The reason I ask is because I know for myself, um, and I know San Antonio is just a very general concept, right? Like, what are you talking about? San Antonio arts industry, San Antonio, like, what are you talking about? But like, for me, that's what I think of in the back of my head when I'm thinking of the San Antonio podcast network. Like, I almost feel like, it's not my sole duty, but like it's people like me that need to promote San Antonio and like why people would want to live here or, hey, there's other things for residents. Hey, there's more fun things to do. You just don't know. Like I almost feel like that's an indirect responsibility that I have having this podcast. So that's why I'm kind of asking you, like, do you almost feel like there's a little bit of a responsibility on yourself? Like, hey, I need to promote this sport in this city. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think excuse me i think i think being a professional about it obviously and and you're right it does inevitably you put yourself out there and let's be real people beyond the board the surrounding 
county of, you know, whether it be Bear County, Comala County, Guadalupe County, Kendall, Kerr, what have you, beyond our area, they're going to listen to this podcast, right? They're going to listen to your podcast. And you want to be a good, a good representative, right? Of not just, you know, of for fellow podcasters or maybe within your particular genre, but just the, the city as a whole in general. And uh, yeah, I think it's you, it's not a burden. It's just, uh, hey, you want to, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right, you know? So I think it's, I think, I think it's kind of one of those things. And ironically, you know, we're kind of blessed here in San Antonio uh, in terms of the coverage for the, uh, for, especially for the high school game, but also, and also at the, the lower league level, you know, I mentioned one other podcast out there already, you know, the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable you know, uh, but also I mentioned, uh, or I didn't mention, but we have a couple of other, there's a couple of other different, uh, outlets, a couple of other different people, you know, soy, soy Sef, you know, the soy San Antonio football, the, uh, six, uh, six, a 28, they're all different. Com- they're all different people that are covering the game in some capacity, whether it be also San Antonio FC, whether it be lower, you know, uh, other just lower leagues across the state of Texas, uh, so they're doing a lot of great, a lot of great work. And I'm glad you brought out, uh, brought up SAFC because I know, you know, kind of a hot topic from a couple of years ago. It still is technically, but you know, San Antonio getting passed up for an MLS team and that, you know, moving one to, to Austin, becoming Austin FC, which uh, shout out, you know, San Antonio, we beat Austin recently. So, yeah, um, yeah. but you know, and, and, and side note, I was, I was I mean, there I and like it was that, glorious. I was there and it was glorious. <laughs> and side note that I feel like moments like that increase popularity like tenfold. I feel like here here in the city. But that's just a side note. Um, it, why do you think that is that San Antonio gets gets passed up like that? Like I have a very narrow opinion of it because I, I see that happening with like NFL or, or like obviously we have a basketball team here, but. Even that, right? There's rumors that that might leave. Um, losing our women's basketball team, losing our minor league hockey team. You know, like, why do you think we get passed up for an MLS? I would feel like we almost have a, we, the San Antonio, the city of San Antonio would have a better chance with like an MLS team than NFL, MLB. Like, I just feel like that would work out of all those leagues. And we get passed up for a city like Austin which isn't in terms of population um, isn't, you know, close to San Antonio. And I feel like there's a larger soccer contingent here in San Antonio. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Oh, talk about a loaded question. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of one of those. I I know some of it, you and I can talk. (laughs) There's a whole major backstory to that in terms of just what transpired between uh, when the, when SSNE, you're right. When Spurs sport and entertainment bought, what ended up becoming now San Antonio FC. They made their deal with the county, made their deal with the city as far as Toyota Field and what the goal was and what transpired with uh, a certain owner who was then at the Columbus Crew that that now owns the uh, the team up north. Uh, just I I won't say his name, but uh, but yeah, there's I mean that it's just there's layers to that. I mean, if you go back, if you go back and if you really study the history back in. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe it was 2005, we had then still the still current commissioner of MLS, Don Garber. He was ready to, I mean, there was basically a deal in place for MLS to come to San Antonio 
and our our outgoing mayor, which was I don't know if it was Garza at Garza, I believe, uh, he's he he goes out and comes in new mayor uh, Phil Hardberger, and I, I guess the story goes that all kinds of changes, uh, all kinds of deal all kinds of changes were made to the deal essentially and something that MLS no longer agreed to. And we basically, we basically lost our, our initial opportunity there. That's the first. So like I said, there's a whole whole big story there, but, but I think from the San Antonio perspective in general, right. As, as it relates to professional teams, I think I've always referred to San Antonio as it's just the true, the proverbial sleeping giant, right. Uh, In terms of, kind of a lot of the things that make San Antonio so great um, and why I love it here is that it's as big as it is, as massive as it is, as widespread as it is, you st- it still really has that small that small hometown feel, right? And, and you never wanted to lose that, which inevitably, you know, as it continues to grow, it's going to be harder to maintain that. But I think while that's a good thing when it comes to professional sports and the you know the franchising world and where that is headed that kind of seems to be kind of indirectly one of the things that works against San Antonio because the big thing the big thing in terms of owners and expansion opportunities what's linked to is or where we rank yes we're the seventh about to be I think the sixth largest city in this in the country but as a TV market, I think we rank like in the mid to low 30s, I think, or mid or maybe late low 20s, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So so there's that TV marketing piece. And then there's also just the uh, the number of Fortune 500 companies in the greater San Antonio area. Right. Which affects your your suites and being able to, you know, those kind of marketing deals and opportunities. Those are the kind of things that lure uh, lure owners and ex- and expansion opportunities. So I think. That as the city continues to grow, I think we're going to see that rise. We're going to see that change, but no doubt, I agree. I think we're in position. We're an, an MLS team. I feel here could thrive without a doubt. And I've always said that I think the professional, the aside from the Spurs, the next professional, I guess franchise that I thought San Antonio was most prepared for, top to bottom, was actually MLB, Major League Baseball. Yeah, I mean. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I had a conversation about this uh, actually with another fellow podcasters um, on, on the east side. And we're talking about sports here in San Antonio and why sports have left and not come here and things like that. Um, and, you know, one of the things we talked about was I, I felt like leagues and owners of potential, you know, teams that would move here, or open up a team here. They just felt like because San Antonio is one of the poorest, you know, large cities in the country, like they just wouldn't make enough money as far as the seat licenses, uh, season tickets, people attending on it. I mean, because you think about it, I mean, stadiums, I mean, if we're talking NFL, you're you're looking at 50, 60, 70,000, if, if not more. MLB, you can get away with maybe 50, 40, something like that. But like you see, st- I, I watch baseball all the time and. I see stadium. I literally, I was just in Miami, right? And I was, I went to a Marlins game. They literally do not sell the upper deck because they can't even fill the lower deck, right? Um, but in Miami, there's a little more money, right? Well, I say little, but I mean, there's a lot more money. And, you know, so that's why an MLB team is still there, even though they can't even get attendance there. But like in San Antonio, we have the, the, the population. I just feel like we don't have the money for it. But even with that said, 
I still think I agree with you with the MLB term, but I still think like MLS. I mean, what what would you say? What do you know the the attend the uh, capacity at, up in Austin? Oh, the Q two. I want to say the Q two is, and I could look it up right now, but it it's got to be like it, I think less it's twenty. Than 30. I want to say yeah. twenty. Oh yeah, it is. I want to say it's twenty two thousand. Um, I was actually I went there for a game not too long ago, and that was one of the very first. It looks beautiful. I, I mean, from yeah. pictures I see, it it looks awesome, and I feel like something like that would work here. You know, because it's less. You're not trying to sell thirty thousand season tickets. You know, capacity for Q2 stadium is 20,738. There you go. And I don't know if you feel this way living in San Antonio for a while now, but like we just have this everlasting competition with Austin on the, you know, San Antonians don't like people from Dallas or Houston. Well, I say don't like, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like in sports and stuff like that, people right. talk a lot of crap. Um, but we have, I feel like that hatred in a sense when it comes to Austin, we compare ourselves with Austin and I feel like, man, if we both had MLS teams, I just feel like the passion would grow quicker than any other sport here in San Antonio because of yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, you look at Houston, you're talking about the, was it the fourth largest, <clears throat> excuse me, fourth largest city in the country. And I think it's, it's got to be, it's definitely a top five TV market. But yet they're at what is now, I think, is it PNG? I forget. It used to be BV, BBVA Compass State. I forget what it is now. But where, where the Houston Dynamo and the Houston Dash play, at, at, on the MLS side, the Houston Dynamo, they, they can't get they can't get butts in seats, you know, they, and that's been an ongoing thing for a while now. It's not just like a recent one or two year thing. And they've won the MLS cup a couple of times, you know, and they were an expansion, they were an expansion team too. So, uh, I don't know. I think does, do I think it will eventually happen? I, I want to say yes, but the question is, is how long, right? Because it definitely got that can kind of was essentially kicked down the road the moment Austin received an MLS franchise, right? So, uh, so San Antonio is going to continue to obviously grow, show, you know, that the market, the economy is going to have to, you know, obviously better, uh, maybe some more fortune 500 companies. You talk about, you know, the, the, the PSLs, all those things, all of those things have to. So, and, and that's why I kind of say, I, I go back to what I first said is that it's a sleeping giant, right? Tons of potential. I think that, the further cultivating and trying to, you know, cause one of the things that you have to keep in mind too, from San Antonio is, you know, why I love this place. It being military city USA is it's also lost a lot of, uh, just that military infrastructure and families, uh, through, you know, through BRAC, the, you know, the base realignment enclosure, it's, it's lost a lot over the course of the last 20 years as well, you know? So, and that's had an impact as well. So, uh, do I want to say it'll happen? Uh, yes. The question is when, but I think it, yeah, I think every outsider says there's no way San Antonio and Austin can have MLS franchises, but I beg to differ. I think that would, ha I think it would happen. I think if you go, you know, I'm a, I'm a San Antonio FC season ticket member and they're, they're always in, in the top, top 10 in attendance. I know right now, I think they're in the top five They're you know, seats about just under 8,000, I believe, or just over 8,000. And they're consistently, uh, consistently having about somewhere in the range of 56 to 6,100 at least. I need to get out to a game. I, I went to a Scorpions game back when, I mean, it was years ago when there were the Scorpions and, and I had fun. 
you know, uh, but the SAFC, I mean, I follow them and I see the pictures and I see people post stuff on Instagram and things and I, it looks like a lot of fun out there. Yeah. It's no, it's no, it's no Q2 arena in terms of just size, but it's every bit. I love the stadium personally, just from the standpoint of it's, it's very intimate. It's a very intimate, you're right on top of the action. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great place to watch a game and yeah, we'll have to get you out there sometime so you can check it out. Definitely. We'll have to catch a game. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but to kind of circle back to the 50, 50 podcast, and this is just kind of some general podcast questions I had for yourself. Um, and this would be more so for, for listeners who are maybe in our shoes a couple years ago, maybe thinking about starting their own podcast, maybe they're proficient or they have a passion for a certain topic or whatever it may be, the industry that they're in. Um, so I kind of want to ask you, I have my own opinions on these things, but like, do you feel like having this podcast, doing it on a regular basis, do you feel like it's, it's helped people learn more about you as a person, you and your industry? And do you think it's kind of helped improve certain skills like communication, speaking, things like that? Yeah, no doubt. I think from the communication perspective, from the just the being able to, again, wear all those hats, right? We talked about earlier, the host, co-host, you know, editor, uh, producer, marketer, all of that. But I think it it provides a natural, it's just one more thing. It's a great conversation starter. It provides another, it's just another resource that can lead to, to expand your networking, right? Your, and, uh, and uh, and I, th- I think that's the big thing is that is is being able being able to want to come on here and tell tell those stories about people and how they're impacting their respective communities, their, you know, their respective student athletes. Um, it just it, it's great. And then the other thing, one of the things that I never saw coming that's happened within the podcast is different guests that we've had on the podcast, then we end up connecting them and they, you know, they strike friendships and then they also, you know, they, they kind of start collaborating with each other on different things. So it's like, it kind of becomes like a, almost like a sub network I call them, I call them 50, 50 pod alumni, right? This is what I call them. Right. So they're all alums that once they come on the podcast, so, and, you know, and we joke with some that it's like, Hey, they've come on the podcast and within about three, three months time, they, exp- they experience some sort of pretty awesome success. So we call that the 50, 50 pod effect, you know, so little things like that. But yeah, I think it's, it's been great. It's been tremendous. Uh, and I've, I've had a blast doing it. Now I talk about podcast advice a lot. So listeners are probably tired of hearing it from me, but if there was like one or a couple or however many you want to give, but any pieces of advice you would give to someone who's either starting podcasting or thinking about it at least. Yeah. So, so you want to, you want me to, you want to spread the wealth and have another annoying voice. Uh, right so, someone to reinforce yeah, so. what I'm saying. No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. I think from my perspective, what I would say is one of the biggest things they've said, I've, I've often heard that, Hey, the hardest part about starting a podcast you've heard um, hit record, <laughs> right? So simple, right? Cause you can prep all day. And so this is going to sound kind of confusing, but you can prep all day. You can do all the research you want. Um, some people start to eventually, they inevitably get hung up on, excuse me. They inevitably get hung up on, Hey, what's our logo going to look like? What are we going to call it? You know, what do we, what do we want it based off of? You know, do we want 
co-host it? Do we want, you know, three people on it? Do we, you know, what do we, do we want to do it for 15 minutes? Do we want to do it, you know, for an hour, hour and a half? They get locked into all these things. What is it called? Paralysis things. by so analysis or I think, right? You just <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. Exactly. And then that, that's where the whole saying is, comes from of hit record. That's the hardest part at the end of the day. But all that said, yes, do research. Do research from the standpoint of what do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? Uh, what do you really, you know, what is, you're not reinventing the wheel, but you're trying to find a, a market, a niche out there is who's going to want to hear you. And, and sometimes you have to be prepared. I think the big, this leads me into the next thing is that most podcast, and I don't know what the exact numbers are right now, because I don't pay attention to just total number of registered podcasts. I, what I try to track down are the numbers of active podcasts, because what you find is most podcasts, they usually die within the first three to six months. And that's because either the, the fa failure to plan, failure to do, to do research, failure really to understand what they were getting into in terms of what you and I just talked about, right? Just the time, the, the time it takes to be able to, Hey, I got this great idea. I want to get this guest on, but you know, you ha I have to track down this guest, like to try to get our, just trying to get our schedules to line up could take a month, right? Or it could take six weeks. Um, or the investment that they, not just their time, but the actual investment, small investment that they might have to make in, you know, in a microphone and tech gear, you know, nothing crazy to start, but, um, they start seeing the money going out and some of them don't get into this to try to get, you know, to try to get rich. Don't get into this to don't chase the followers and the likes and the retweets. Don't chase all that. Just keep pumping, just keep pumping them out. Keep pumping out the episodes. Obviously you want to make good, good quality episodes, well thought out episodes with good quality guests, but more than anything is just keep grinding. Just keep putting in, just put out an episode, put out, you know, and if your format is every other week, every week, once a month, what have you, uh, that so be it. But, but just keep putting in that work because I think what you'll find is, and I know you and I were talking about this at, uh, out at Merritt coffee not too long ago, but the, the number of, uh, of podcasts that usually we talked about it, it, it usually it significant significantly declines after we talked about six months, but you're in a very small percentage. If you can make it to 50, 50, 50 episodes. And then in a very, very small group, if you can hit a hundred or more, you know, so, um, so those, those are, you know, I, I'm still trying to find that exact data where, where I heard that that one time, but, um, but yeah, I think that that's the big thing is if you're going to commit to it, if it's my take has always been, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. You know, don't, don't kind of do one step, one, one foot in, one foot out. If you're going to commit to it, commit to it, do your research. But at the end of the day, um, you got to have a passion. You got to have a passion for what you want to, for what you want to do, because there are going to be days where you have a great guest, you put out a tr great content, great episode. And then you start trying to track the metadata and it's like, man, I only have so many downloads. I only have so many listens. And, uh, yeah. And then, and some people just, you know, they kind of, they put their head down and they just, they, the confidence level goes, you know, tanks and you just, that's why I say you just got to keep grinding. I mean, never, never did I imagine that somehow we were going to be listened to, you know, the 50, 50 podcast, which covers Texas high school club and college soccer. And yet we're being listened to in 38 
countries. I have no idea how that happened. It's awesome. Don't get me wrong, but I have no idea how that happened. And I like that idea, Hector, of like uh, failing fast is what I like to kind of call it. I know people sometimes don't like using the word fail when it comes to, but you have to like, it, it's just, it, it applies to a lot of industries, a lot of different jobs. It's just like, just do it. Like you were saying, just hit record. Right. And that was something I learned early on. I just kept powering through, powering through. And eventually you're going to get to the point. Oh, shoot. I'm on episode 20. I'm on episode 50. I'm on episode 100. Right. But you just keep doing it and you don't sometimes you don't think about it. It's a very general statement. Obviously, there's planning that goes into it. Um, I think about that a lot, even in my own industry, you know, working in insurance, working in financial advising, like with a lot of leads I pay for like marketing leads and sometimes I have to call out to these people in my industry there's a the biggest reason why agents and advisors fail is because they don't want to pick up the phone and call people like it just scares the hell out of them like it's like right up there next to public speaking is like picking up the phone and calling some random person or someone that maybe is a lead right they reached out to you but like I know early on in in my career in doing this that's something I learned is like you just got to don't think about it. Just pick up the phone and call like and and you're going to maybe you're going to trip up on your words the first few times. But then you get to the point where you're like, oh, now I know what I'm doing. Right. And it's the same thing with the podcasting. I uh, I don't know. I guess she's a friend of mine, but someone I've re- I recorded with last year, Jennifer Navarrete. She's been man. She's been podcasting since like the beginning, like the stone age of podcasting. Uh, but right here in San Antonio, she started something called the National or NAPODMO. It's National Podcast Month. It's in November. Um, I don't know if she still does it. I think she does. She did it this past November. Um, it's a great concept. And and what it is, is basically for aspiring podcasters. The kind of goal, it's one of those like ice bucket challenge things, where it's like you, the goal is to record an episode every single day for that whole month. It doesn't matter how long it is. It could be a five minute episode. <clears throat> but just record it and just put it out there and upload it. And that may be a podcast that you just end up throwing away or you just leave out there in the podcast verse, but it makes you do it, right? It makes you record, like you said, Hector, hit record. It makes you upload it. And it's like you get the experience from it and you're failing fast. And that's something that I, I, I love. I preach. I'm glad you said it because it applies to a lot of different industries, especially here in podcasting. Yeah. And you know, what I would add to that too, is there was one thing I know you and I feel very, uh, very much the same on this is that if you're, if you're, if you're kind of sitting on an idea here in the greater San Antonio area, I will say this is this particular market, if, if you will, as it pertains to, to podcasts, uh, is is kind of is ripe it's ready it's like you're you're kind of getting in in the you know in the ground ground level ground phase uh it's kind of like uh if you were buying stock right buying stock in apple or microsoft before they became you know microsoft and apple kind of thing uh but yeah that's that's kind of how i feel that's how i feel about it and i feel that you know, there's nothing but just great opportunity out there. There's a lot of stuff that can be covered. And that's that's the beauty of it. And and sometimes what you find, too, is you have hosts that they're on multiple podcasts, right? Different, uh, you know, different things. They got different things going on, but it's a voice. And one of the things that that I stumbled across, because, you know, one of the things that I stumbled across was that is there is this, as you become a podcaster, you start to realize there's this, you know, 
family, I guess, if you, if you will, almost. It's like it's uh, whatever you want to call it, fraternity, sorority of just of podcasters supporting podcasters. Right. Uh, and I think that's big. It's something that we, we could have in this in this region as well. I think it's something that's needed uh, to just further collaborate and further get information. It's, it's not a comp- it's not a competition thing. It's a collaboration thing. Uh, and I mean, you see it all the time. You look at across some of the top podcasts in the world and that's what they do, right? They're going on each other's, they're going on each other's podcasts, going on each other's shows and they're, and they're, they're talking their minds. They're talking about different, you know, different topics, different subjects. And little did I know, you know, cause I guess I would, I guess you could say Zach, that I was one of those, I was one of those people that entered podcasts in the, in the stone ages, right? <laughs> Is, uh, uh, that, all that listening, <laughs> all that listening that I was doing to, because I started listening to podcasts way before they were a thing. So we're talking like 2007, 2006, somewhere in that range. And so I was always just someone that listened just information, right? Information, not just affirmation, but information, whether I agreed with it or not, but I still wanted to process and take in information. So little did I know all those years of listening to podcasts that I was kind of getting eventual on the job training, right? Because I got to listen to, you know, different interview formats. I got to listen to just pace, flow, timing, and, and just more than anything, it's just as, as a, both as a guest and as a host of, you, you know, when you're a, when you're a guest, you want to be able, you know, you want to be able to speak when you're, when your host asks you questions, not just quick, short, three second answers, be very short with them. And as a host is getting that guest to feel, you know, feel at home and just, you're having a conversation with a, with a microphone essentially. Well, Hector, I appreciate you joining me today on Essay Talk, and I'll kind of get you out of here on this. You know, let the listeners know where can we find the podcast, where can they find the podcast, where you think tune in, subscribe, and pretty much this is your floor to plug in anything. Sweet. Awesome. Well, you know, first and foremost, um, appreciate uh, appreciate you having me on here. It's been a pleasure. I know uh, you and I have been talking for a little bit now, and I got to say a big fan, of, uh, big fan of what you're doing. I know it hasn't, I know it hasn't been... Uh, easy, but I think that's what makes it worth it. Right. And, uh, some of the stuff that you've been doing around, you know, around San Antonio and where you're, I can, I could kind of tell the vision of where you're trying to go. And those are the kind of people that I want to be associated with. Those are the kind of people that I, I want, I want to be involved with and have around me, you know? So, uh, so kudos to you and all the great work you're doing. And, uh, thank you for having me on here. But, as far as the podcast goes, you can find us on, you know, the prototypical, you know, all the major podcast platforms. Uh, you can find us there. Just look up the 50 slash 50 podcast. Uh, you can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter. It's at 50 underscore 50 pod. Again, that's at 50 underscore 50 pod. And it's a little different on Instagram. It's at 50 underscore 50 podcast. And then you can also find us on uh, on YouTube as well. That's where because our... Uh, our podcast is, is a little different because we do both video where majority of our podcasts uh, are live. They have pretty much have been live since about April of last year. Uh, but yeah, you can also find us on YouTube and uh, that's at the 50 underscore 50 podcast. So, um, but yeah, that's pretty much where you can find us. Well, again, Hector, I appreciate you joining me and I appreciate the kind words. Um, I'm glad there's at least one other person that has that vision. So, <laughs> but no, I, I truly do appreciate you, uh, you know, reaching out to me, meeting up with me. Um, and then of course coming on the podcast. Um, I think the listeners yeah. really enjoyed this episode. 
Um, I think they're going to so. enjoy hearing so. from another fellow podcaster, um, getting someone else's advice, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but for the listeners, I'm speaking directly to the listeners now. You know, check out the podcast. Um, I'm always about supporting other local podcasters out there, other local shows. Um, it really is a network um, here in San Antonio, like like Hector said. Um, and I think we we not only should support each other, um, but the listeners should you know see what's out there and go and support other shows as well. So, Hector, I appreciate it. Um, thank you for joining SA Talk, and um, talk to you soon. Yep, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Look forward to having you on uh, the podcast sometime soon as well. That's going to wrap up my interview with Hector Cano. I appreciate Hector again coming on SA Talk to talk about his work, his podcast. And uh, giving the listeners some advice, at least the aspiring podcasters that are out there listening. As always, thank you to everyone who supports the podcast. Again, I hope you're enjoying all the work and content that we're putting out, uh, whether you're supporting monetarily or supporting on social media. I really do appreciate it. Um, if you can and you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, and you can keep up with the podcast if you aren't already, again, on social media. Um, you can follow at SAPod Network on Twitter. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the usual suspects. Lastly, if you or any business owners you know are looking to advertise with the podcast, please reach out to me directly at Zachary, that's Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y, at sapodnetwork.com. Thank you all again. Have a wonderful rest of the week. See you again in a couple weeks, and viva San Antonio. Mm-hmm.